Buckle up, everyone. You are strapped in and ready for the Insurance Hour with me, your host, Carl Sussman, the resource to help you navigate the world of insurance. There is a lot of misunderstanding about what insurance is and what insurance isn't. Let me help you demystify insurance and have some fun while we're at it. Informing, educating, and entertaining Californians one policy at a time. This is Insurance Hour. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to this morning, this Friday morning. What could be better than to start out by saying Friday morning? I mean, we I, I get so excited about Friday that on Thursday, we start calling it Welcome to Thursday Eve. That's, that's how excited we are. Super excited to be here and talking to you today. Again, we are educating, entertaining all of you about insurance in California, one policy at a time. And let me tell you something. There is so much going on in California when it comes to insurance. Uh, I could basically have a 24-hour talk show. Actually, my wife would probably love that because then I would never be home. But seriously, let me give you some contact information. If you have questions, specific questions, chances are other people out there probably have the same questions as well. So don't hesitate. Please call. Uh, you can reach the uh, you reach me directly at 559-656-0317. Or if you're the shy type, just email questions at insurancehour.com. Now, we're going to have different topics while we talk, but don't feel like you have to stay on topic. If you have something you want to know, call in, email in, and we'll get to that right away. All right, you with me? Let's get going. Well, if you're paying attention to insurance in California, uh, and if you're a resident here, there's, it's difficult not to. I'm sure what you're noticing is premiums are going up, 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 and you're wondering what in the heck is going on? Why is this happening? Why are we seeing rates go up the way they are? So while while I start to get into why this is happening, uh, and then we'll move along a little bit into what's being done to try and combat it and, and some different things that are happening all at the same time, just some numbers. I'd like to throw some statistics out at you. It's no big surprise, right? We know that I can't say climate change because everybody gets all upset. So I'm just going to say weather, right? Can we just agree if I say storms or weather, don't have a fit. It's it, it, We know it's climate change, but you know that gets people all upset. So just let's just stick with weather, right? We can all agree that the weather has been odd, right? It has not been the way it's normally been historically. So what's happening is the insurance industry in California, and I say insurance industry, I'm speaking generically about private insurance companies in California, right? So I'll generically put them under the umbrella of the insurance industry or they or something along those lines. I'm really just talking about individual private insurance companies. And by the way, always keep in mind, insurance companies are companies. They're for-profit entities. They're, they're there to make a profit. If they're not making a profit, their shareholders getting really pretty, pretty upset and, and they get ousted and they, and that's bad. Either that, and if they're not a publicly traded company, if they're not making money, they go bankrupt. Either way, keep in mind always that insurance companies are not nonprofits. They are for-profit entities. So important backdrop. So Historically, the insurance industry has looked at the past to try and predict the future. They'll say, okay, well, we can look at this driver and we know that drivers with certain characteristics like young drivers or drivers that have speeding tickets tend to have more car accidents, just like they can look at certain areas and they can say, well, homes in certain areas like this or with certain certain roof types like that tend to be more likely to burn. The industry has a lot of data. They've been doing this literally for a century. So all of this data is what they look at when they're trying to put together rates, right? Rates are the premiums that we're paying in order to get the insurance policies that we're purchasing. And they're not arbitrary, even though I know they feel like it a lot of times, but they're, they're built on a lot of data, big data. Now, all of a sudden, we come in the last few years and most of that data goes out the window. It no longer becomes applicable. Now, what does that mean? What happened? Let me give you a few examples of some of the things, just a few of the things that have happened that have sort of shaken up the industry as far as why they're having such a hard time predicting losses and by that coming up with fair rates that work for everybody. First of all, we can look at 20, 2018. Uh, there were over $145 billion in fire-related losses alone in 2018. Just as a little trivia, 
that wipes out the profit for, I believe it was eight out of 10 insurance companies in the state of California for about 13 years. So all the profit they made in 13 years, boom, gone in 2018. That's one thing. Number two happens again, 2019, another $80 billion in wildfire related losses. Not so good, right? These are not things they're used to seeing. 2020, we're looking at losses of over $12 billion in wildfire damage. Now, just to put things in perspective, if you go historically back 10 years, even five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years, the insurance industry will price product assuming there's going to be some type of catastrophe, some type of wildfire or some type of major loss every seven years. And now what's happening is they're seeing these massive losses happening almost on an annual basis. So, whoa, right? Big shock to the system. So the property insurance market all of a sudden gets this wave of claims, massive claims. And mind you, this is not just a California thing. This is happening all around the world, but we're, we're focusing in California. But just so you know, all of these things are happening. And now the insurance industry have to, has to stop and say, okay, we have to re-figure out a way to properly predict losses so we know how to proper price. And so we know that we have enough money to pay claims. That's property insurance. Auto insurance has its own heartache. Well, let's just see. If you and I used to have a little fender bender, that fender bender might have cost, I don't know, 500 bucks hammer out the dent, something like that. Maybe get a new bumper, put it on six, 700 bucks, done, over with. Now that same fender bender, that bumper has cameras, has sensors, has LIDAR, has all sorts of heavy, sophisticated equipment in it. And it can't just be slapped on by anybody. It has to be put on by a trained professional that knows how to go about putting on these types of complicated electronics. So now all of a sudden, we're seeing all of the costs that are associated with auto insurance claims going sky high as well, because what used to be, again, an inexpensive, simple fender bender has now turned into an expensive claim that could be three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000. We've got somebody calling in actually about car, about car insurance. So let's put them on. Walt, I understand you've got a question for us. Yes, actually, I do. Um, I have two cars in my family. One is a about a $20,000 Toyota. The other is a $40,000 uh, Toyota. And we're just about ready to pay off both of them. And I currently have full coverage on both uh, vehicles. And what I'm wondering is, is would you suggest that I drop uh, the level of insurance coverage after I uh, pay off the vehicles, uh, you know, it seems a little much to uh, to keep full coverage on there. But, uh, I, you know, what's your opinion? Sure. It's a great question. First, I always like to, to dig in a little bit whenever I hear full coverage. What What is full coverage? By the way, there is no specific definition. There are so many different types of car insurance coverage types that you can get. But I, I'm going to assume for the sake of this discussion you're talking about you have physical damage coverage for your vehicles. That's what you mean by full coverage. So the question is, you're paying off the cars. So now they are going from being a debt that you're paying off to being an asset, something that you actually own and has value, right? You could sell it. Now, depending on the value, and you're saying 20000 40000 or so, let's just say that you're looking at about 50000 between the two if you're looking at sales, tax, and all those other things, you've got about $50,000 in value right now in these two vehicles. So my, my knee jerk is, well, you, that's an asset you want to protect. What if one of them gets in a car accident? What if one of them gets stolen? What if one of them, something happens to them, right? You would protect that. Just like when you put money in the bank, you want to be sure that they that you're with the bank that has the FDIC looking out, right, to, to be sure your money is protected, insurance, physical damage on your vehicle is sort of like that. You are protecting that investment. Having said that, uh, I don't always tell people that, you know, keep coverage on it no matter what, because there is a point of, of diminishing returns where you're going to be paying the value of what the car is in a few years, right? And at that point, you say, you know what? It's just not worth it anymore. But on cars that have significant value like that, I would certainly think hard before I would remove coverage to pay for them in the event that there's 
a bad accident or there's a fire and it burns or it's stolen or something like that. If you're looking to save money, you can always do one of two things. You can go with a significantly higher deductible, right? That's a great way to go and save some money. Or some insurance companies will give you the option to simply have fire and theft as a standalone coverage, right? So you'll have that versus just having, you know, damage for all covered on the vehicle. You can just have fire and theft to have that be sort of your your safety net in the event that uh, there's a claim. So that's my that's my two cents. And I again, I would look at it as you're shifting a debt to an asset. Do you want to protect that asset now? And and if you do, you know, how much, you know, how much is it worth it for you to protect that? And then you have to do some math. And uh, it's really more of a personal decision at the end of the day, because everyone has their own risk tolerance, right? Everyone has their, their, what, what, what could I stand to lose before I would have an absolute fit, <laughs> right? Before I would really kick myself. So uh, I want to get right. back. Yeah. And, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely great. That's uh, very informative, and I appreciate your help on that. Okay, good deal. And again, the most important thing is find out what the cost is before you make a decision, you know, and sleep on it, you know, because you don't know. It, it might turn out that it's, it's, more, it's, it's less expensive than you think, and it's kind of a no-brainer. You figure, yeah, I'm just going to keep the coverage because, you know, I'll raise the deductible up, you know, to $1,000, 2000 $3,000, and that way, I know if there's something bad that happens to the car, it's totaled or something. Okay, I won't get that much of the value, but I'll still get the rest of it. Fabulous. Thank you for taking my call. You got it. All right. Well, that was Walt with his auto question. And I think before I jump back in and continue with my chat about uh, auto insurance and why the rates have gone up, we will take, uh, we'll, we will take a quick break. And then when we come back, we have another caller. In a tough California insurance market, you need expert guidance. Trust Sussman Insurance Agency with a legacy of understanding complex coverage needs. Call 877-411-5200 or visit sussmaninsurance.com. Treating clients like family for two generations. Okay, dokie. Hello, hello. We're back. That wasn't such a long break now, was it? I hardly had time to have a sip of my espresso. I think we have another call in. Um, is that uh, Bob that I hear? You heard correct. All right, Bob, tell us what you got. What can we do for you today on Insurance Hour? Uh, with regards to the rising insurance rates, people on their car, uh, car and home, but I'll, I'll concentrate on car. What is being done or what kind of stop gaps do the insurance companies have for the rate evasion when it comes to a young driver in the household. Uh, for example, you've got mom and dad and a 15-year-old in the household, and a year and a half goes by and the 15-year-old is now driving. Is the insurance company doing some kind of follow-up? Is it the agency that has to follow up? Um, is it technically the insured that has to report it in? How does that work? Mm-hmm. That's a great question, and, and I get this. I get this frequently. Um, usually, it's the other way. It's do I have to tell you that my kid's turning sixteen and going to start driving? And I always laugh, and I'm thinking, well, yeah, if you want them to have insurance, here's the general rule of thumb, and it does differ between insurance companies in general. Some companies have what's called a name driver policy. You are listed on the policy. You have coverage under the policy. That's it. Mic drop. Other companies have what's called more of a family auto policy where people in the household have coverage. Now, that does not mean that the intent of that is, hey, you know, your kids turn 16 and just let them start driving. They're covered because let's face it, the insurance company is going to at some point when they realize that there's been a driver in the household, they're going to want to have them added onto the policy so that they can collect appropriate premium for it. And you don't want to have a claim in that interim, right? You, you don't want any surprises. I always tell people, you never want to give an insurance company a good excuse to deny a claim. And having your kid turn 16 and get a driver's license and you don't tell anybody about it, that's giving them a pretty good excuse. As, as far as who's responsible for that, some insurance companies will ask when you're actually filling out an application for the age of any children in the household. And they'll keep track. 
you know, you might have a four-year-old or an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old or 12, whatever it might be. And you'll get a notification when they're turning 16 from the insurance company. Some carriers will simply tell you, keep in mind, you know, if you don't add them, they're not covered. I would say the only per, the only part of that equation that I would say is not responsible would be an agent or a broker because they don't really know uh, who's in the household or who's not, who might have moved in, who might have moved out. Is someone in college? Have someone gotten married? Did somebody adopt? I mean, there, there are so many moving parts. So I would say it's, it's, it's the responsibility falls obviously to the insured at the end of the day, because they're the ones that want to have the protection. So you want to have the protection. You have to tell the insurance company what it is that you want to have protected. Well, let, let me ask you like this, let me put it to you like this. What about nowadays you hear kids that are 18 and still not driving. Um, for some reason, a lot of kids had decided hey, I'm not going to go get my license when I turn 16. I mean, when I was 16, I couldn't wait. I was there the day I turned 16. I'm at the DMV, you know, trying to get my license. And nowadays, with Uber and Lyft and, you know, ride shares, you have a lot of kids that are not driving until they're 18. So at that point in time, how do the parents prove that the, the kid's not driving, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, and not increasing their rate? And, you know, the other, the other way that it is uh, to look at it is, with technology nowadays, insurance companies have these fantastic programs, like these uh, these deals where you plug a little uh, monitor or reader into your car, and they mm-hmm. can tell you how fast you're going, what to- how much you're driving, how you're braking, uh, acceleration, deceleration, all kinds of good stuff. Do they use that to somehow say, well, wait a minute, here's mom and dad going to work or not going to work or in the house, and all of a sudden the car's getting driven around 3 o'clock. For eight o'clock, when school gets in and school gets out, you, you know what I mean. Are they using? I that hear you. Type of I hear you. You're touching on you're touching on some great stuff. What you're talking, what you're describing, is called telematics, and that's where information on the vehicle is in some way utilized for underwriting. And this is allowed state by state. Some states allow it. Some states don't for privacy reasons. And and for this very reason, right? Do you want to all of a sudden get a call from your insurance company that says? hey, you know what? We see a change in your driving pattern. It used to just be Monday through Friday, and now all of a sudden you're going out Friday and Saturday night. Is there a kid in the house? That's a privacy issue. So you're going to see a lot of states that already uh, don't allow that type of telematics. Be Also keep in mind that a lot of newer cars keep that information already. Tesla, for example, I read, um, has a uh, has part of their system keep track of that, and you can actually get a driving score uh, from your Tesla to tell you uh, how you're doing. And of course, do you think they just want to take that valuable data and just hand it over to the insurance companies for free? Clearly not. That's going to be a revenue right. source in the places where it's available, where the insurance companies will say, hey, we'll pay for that data because we can really utilize that to try and come up with the right rate for the right exposure. And, and as far as when kids turn 18, it's funny you say that because I was the same way, right? I mean, I, I I was counting the seconds until I could get my permit and counting the seconds until I could get my license. And I've seen the same thing you have. The the this I, We sound old saying this. This is generation. But, you know, the, yeah. the, these days, um, I mean, I know my niece and nephew, uh, I think one of them didn't get their license until they were 18 and the other was like 17, maybe even closer to 19. And for me, it was, it was inconceivable that they would do that. But they did. Now, what will happen is, again, if we go under the auspice that the insurance carriers are not in some way being sneaky, right? They're not tracking it or they don't have their dates of birth on file to ask, then you don't have to prove anything. If they're not driving, they're not driving. You have nothing to worry about. You're never going to be charged for a driver that's not driving, especially a driver that doesn't have a driver's license, right? So even if the carrier said, hey, we see that you have an 18-year-old or 17-year-old living in the household, right, for however they figure it out. And your response would be, okay, they're unlicensed, and then you're done. So it really is a combination of, you know, do you want, do we want to be able to give up some of this privacy, some of this detail about how we're driving to save money if it allows us to get a better rate? But at the same time, to your point, it does definitely kind of give you the heebie-jeebies, right? Because you wouldn't want to get that phone call that says, 
Hey, what were you doing over at two in the morning? It looks like you weren't at home there, you know? I mean, I, you, you can imagine the, you know, there's the, the dystopian worlds we could live in, right? If all of your mo- movements are tracked, well, as if they're not, but in a way that's going well, to affect your insurance premium. Yeah, they, they are, but right. they're being heavily regulated as far as what they can be utilized for when it comes to things like insurance, at least. Yeah, well, you know, the one way they get you is they give you that, a 5% discount or a, whatever they might give you to put this in your car. And, mm-hmm. you know, then once you put it in your car, you're signing some kind of uh, small print that says we have the right to use this information right. as, you know, as necessary and, right, right. It, you know, and, and do it then. Now, uh, it's a whole different deal. I, I, let me give you a little background. I, I was in the insurance you know, industry for a long time, so um, My sympathies. I've seen some of this happen. Yeah, I, I, I see some of this happened in the past. Um, but, you know, what normally happened back then is if you had a, a policyholder with a, you know, a, a decent track record with the insurance company, they would have, their kid would have an accident. He's 17. And he's been on the, you know, he hasn't been on the policy for a year. Normally they would cover it. Uh, you know, you'd have to go through the proper channels. But what they would do is reduce coverage down to the state minimum, and which could be a scary thing as well. Because then you're sure. exposing yourself to anything above and beyond the state minimum, and right, think about right. hitting a, a, a hitting a Tesla. You know, the kids out driving dad's pickup truck. You're basically uninsured. Yeah, you, you basically that ten thousand dollars in coverage is gone on a bumper. You know, mm-hmm. type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I was just curious because I think it's probably one of the the. the the attitudes that, like, well, I told them we had a kid in the house, and they haven't said anything, so I'm going to keep on covering them or keep letting them drive until we. Well, get, I can you tell know, you that if you come. tell them you got a kid in the house, they're going to want to add them. <laughs> you know, assuming they're driving, right? Assuming they have a license, right? right. And as as far right, as carriers that will, yeah, as far as carriers that will that will drop to lower limits, uh, depending on you know on accident history. That again, that's state. Um, by state. Some states allow it. Some states don't. What I find interesting, and, and it sounds like you probably will as well, is you're right. If you're going to use telematics or you're going to use some form of this technology to try and I say lower your rate because you're going to opt in because you're a good driver, right? The guy that's got 20 tickets right. and two accidents every you know couple of years, he's not going to want to, you know, he doesn't want to play that game. So the people that are going to do this, they're going to give up, you know, that privacy, if you want to look at it that way. But they're doing it because they're able to prove, they're able to say, hey, look, my record's better than the other guy. I don't want to subsidize what I'm paying based on the way they're driving. And and I think that overall, what will happen in time is people will become a little more comfortable with, with, you know, the fact that, like you said, we're already being tracked, right? We carry our phones around. It's not as if people don't know where we are. They don't know our browsing history. All of that stuff is is sold every day by uh, data brokers to just allow the insurance carriers to potentially price properly or more accurately based granularly on your driving experience, it's a good thing. And again, I don't think we're giving much up because so much of our, our like I said, our, our personal data like that is already out there. How many times have you scrolled through an app and read the disclosure before you just click at the end of it, right? I mean, if insurance carriers worked like apps did, we would be giving them all kinds of information. But it's a much more heavily regulated industry than that, obviously. Right, but that's state by state, correct? Absolutely. Some states allow it, some states don't. And the states that allow it probably have guidelines for what you need to disclose and, uh, and, and what percentage of that information is being utilized to affect the premium. Okay. Well, you answered my question. I'm sure right. they could go on and on and on with other situations, but uh, that answers the question I have. All right. Good deal. I appreciate you calling in. Always good to talk to someone that uh, was that you're, you're a recovering insurance expert. That's, uh, that's exactly. what I call it, right? You're, you're a recovering right. expert. So thanks for calling in. Feel free to out. call back in or shoot a question anytime. We'd love to talk to you. All right. All right. Take care. You too. California's insurance market can be challenging, but Sussman Insurance Agency knows the way. Trusted for two generations in home, auto, and personal insurance. Call 877-411-5200 or visit SussmanInsurance.com. Navigate with confidence. 
All righty, ready. We are back again, just in the nick of time for me to have another sip of espresso. Can you tell? I, I, some people talk about caffeine. You've seen the little signs that say, I don't have a problem with caffeine. I have a problem without caffeine. I think I fit into that. But, you know, I'm not really in. I'm literally into the caffeine because I don't need this big, hot mug of coffee. I just need this little bitty cup that has maybe this much fluid in it of espresso because that gives me all that I need. Why waste time with those big mugs of hot steaming coffee? Burn your lips. You got to sip, 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 sip. Take, take all that time now. Just gulp, get it done and move on. The only reason I can sip this is because I want to be make it last for this entire hour. So I have it, uh, I have it on hand, literally. So we've been talking about auto insurance, which is interesting because there's a lot of this. There's, I would say there's more going on in the property insurance market than in the auto insurance market. But again, uh, I will take this wherever it goes. Uh, if you have a question, anything relating to insurance, please give us a call at 559-656-0317 or send a question to questions at insurancehour.com. If you're catching this and it's not live, don't worry. You can find it online. You can find it through any podcast. You can find it on YouTube. You can send emails, leave voicemails, and we will get to your question as soon as we come back live next time. All right? All right, let's move on. So having talked a little bit about car insurance and understanding why the rates are starting to go up, right? We we basically touched on it briefly by saying uh, that, and as our last caller pointed out, everything's expensive, right? A Tesla bumper could be eight, 10 grand. And if you bump into one, you're going to be responsible for that. So in addition to the physical damage costs being higher, what is also going on is the labor costs. And I know we're so tired of hearing about labor shortages, right? This is like pandemic era stuff. Why are we still talking about labor shortages? Well, I'll tell you why. And it's interesting because I feel the same way. It's like, can we move on from that now? Can we stop with the shortage on chips and all this other stuff we've heard, it's still kind of happening. That's the part that's mind-blowing. It literally still will take longer to get parts for cars today than it did pre-pandemic. I mean, it's the fact. The numbers are there. I can't substantiate it with any logic other than to say that it's a reality and it just happens that way. Now, when you're talking about labor shortages, I can at least justify that and understand it in my own mind. Because I understand that, again, whereas a mechanic used to be able to pop a bumper on, I I couldn't. I'm making it sound like it's so easy, but I couldn't do it if my life depended on it. Now, it's a higher skilled, higher paid person that has to do that work. So I can intellectually understand why we might have less people that are around that are, in essence, able to do that labor. Now I understand that there's a shortage because we need more of them, right? We didn't have them. So we do still have a, a time delay in getting parts for cars. I used to see someone in, on average, they would need their rental car coverage for a policy and they might use it for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 days. By two weeks, they're getting annoyed uh, and, and the car is usually fixed and there's something else going on holding it up. Now, the average time that someone has to have a rental car while they're waiting for their car to be fixed it really goes up to the policy limit sometimes, which is usually a month. And then what? A month? A month it takes to get your car fixed? I mean, it's ridiculous. But guess what? As annoying, as ridiculous as it is to us as consumers, insurance carriers paying the bill, right? They're paying out 30 days of rental car coverage for you instead of seven. They're paying for that higher labor cost. They're paying for that more expensive bumper. Poor bumpers, as if that's the only thing that ever gets damaged. But you, you understand what I'm saying. So, we are seeing sort of a boomerang effect of the fact that we had um, we had a period of time when we weren't driving, right, for a very short period of time during the pandemic. And then because the cost factors started going up immediately thereafter, it's that much more dramatic because in our brains, we're driving less. We're working at home. Come on. What's the big deal? Why is everything costing so much less? It's costing so much more. You need to look at the big picture and understand that some of those things, some of those trends that started back then, we're still feeling now. That actually reminds me, and I will, I will say this because I think it's important. Uh, I get asked, as you can imagine, how do I save money on my auto insurance? How do I save money on my auto insurance? And I'll tell you, one of the things you need to pay attention to, of course, the deductible, that's a big one. But you need to also find out 
and be sure that you're properly rated. And what does that mean? Well, you used to be, right? Nine out of 10, you know, white collar workers that say probably blue collar as well, everybody, they had their nine to five job and we would say, here's your house. What's your work address? Okay, now we know how far you commute each day. We figure you go to that address, you come back, figure a little bit more for the weekend and we can have an idea of how much usage your vehicle is going to get. Well, what are a lot of us doing now that we weren't doing years ago? Working from home. If that's the case, or you're in a hybrid situation where you're working from home sometimes and going to the office and other times, be sure that you contact your insurance carrier or broker and tell them, say, hey, look, I used to commute every single day and that's when you wrote the policy for me, but I'm working from home all the time now, or I'm only going into the office twice a week now and make sure they adjust your policy accordingly so that you're not overpaying because it does happen. Again, it, the insurance carriers are not going to wake up one day, nor is your broker and say, Hmm, I wonder if I'll just call a random client and say, Hey, have you changed jobs? Are you working from home these days? What are you doing? You got to do it. And again, that's one of the reasons that I do this program is I want people to understand, as annoying as it might be, sometimes we have to be our own advocates for things. And when it comes to insurance, uh, especially because we are seeing prices go up so much uh, over time, you're going to have to be a little bit more of an advocate for yourself or find a good broker that will you know, at least give you the tools to advocate and do the things that are required to be able to get the best rates you can. Remember, you don't want to subsidize the other guy, Right girl. You don't want to subsidize other drivers. You want to pay a premium that's reasonable based on your driving experience, your driving history, period. So the best thing you can do is to, again, make sure that the information that the insurance company is using is accurate. Make sense? Okay. I think we're going to move on from car insurance unless somebody else calls in and has a car insurance question. Because again, the, the, the big issue that's going on right now, at least in California, uh, primarily, which is where what I'm going to discuss is the property insurance market. Now, I shouldn't I shouldn't preface it that way because it's really not it's not accurate. California is always first to find the problems and first to find the solutions. Right, that's just the way it works. And even those states like Florida and Colorado, Louisiana, Texas, there are many states that are grappling with issues of catastrophic losses. California, of course, because of its size and population is what's getting all the buzz because they're getting hit with these wildfires. They're getting hit with these massive claims and they're having the insurance industry react to it. And they're reacting to it quite simply by saying, look, if we're losing money on writing a policy, we can't write that policy anymore. It doesn't benefit us and it won't benefit the customer because we won't have money to pay that claim. You might remember at the beginning of the show, I gave you an example of how one catastrophic loss can wipe out profits for 12, 13, 15 years for an insurance company. I'm not crying the blues for the insurance companies, right? I'm not trying to toe the line and say, oh, well, you know, come on, they've, they've lost all this money. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that we have to keep in mind that every single time you pay your premium, there's an expectation that you're either going to have a loss or not. And the combination of so many factors go into what determine that premium. If all of a sudden, all of those factors, bad pun, go up in smoke, you're going to have to figure out a new way to calculate it. You're going to have to figure out a new way to properly price things. Otherwise, the whole system doesn't work. California is a challenge because there's heavy legislation that guides how insurance companies are allowed to determine rates. For example, to go back to a previous caller that was talking about telematics, right? Putting that little device in their vehicle to be able to check their driving, um, how fast they drive, how hard do they stop, how hard do they turn. That's not acceptable in California. The Department of Insurance does not permit that. Even if the client says, I'm willing to give up that information if it'll save me money, it's not something that the insurance industry is allowed to use. Similarly, in California, there are things that the carriers would like to be able to use to start predicting uh, start predicting losses for wildfire. And it's taking all of this historic data they have, and it's using sophisticated, I have to say it, AI modeling, right? It wants to take all of this data and be able to come up with an accurate rate based on where the house is, based on characteristics of the house, the type of roof, it matters. If you've got the shingles blocked so that um, sparks can't go under there, it matters. If the vents under the house 
are sealed. It matters. These are things that can make a huge difference. Are you using steel braided hoses on your washing machine versus the plastic? Guess what? The plastic wears out. It cracks. It leaks. It makes a mess in the house. It makes a difference. So in California, for example, a lot of these factors cannot be utilized in determining the rate. So what happens? One, there's no incentive for the consumer to take preemptive measures. Two, the insurance carriers are not able to rate based on what measures are taken. And at the end of the day, what does that mean? They have to charge a higher rate for everybody because they can't charge a lower rate for someone because they're not allowed to or unaware of media uh, of factors that they've done to try and prevent loss to begin with. Now, here's the good news. Things are a changing in the golden state. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I'll tell you some of the things that are coming up in California to address these issues. Insurance Agency, trusted for generations in navigating California's complex insurance market. For help with homeowners, fair plan, auto insurance, and more, call 877-411-5200 or visit sussmaninsurance.com, your friend in the insurance industry. Hello, hello. I am back. Did you miss me? These commercial breaks are super short, I tell you. It's like like I like I've said now every single time. I barely have time to have a sip of espresso. All right, so we were talking about as a matter of fact, give me a second. I just need to have one more sip. One more sip, okay? This is my only vice. I don't drink, I don't smoke, fine. I drink espresso. So we were talking about California. We were talking about how the insurance industry has pulled back because it is in a position where it's current um model for how it predicts loss is no longer working and what's happened over the years are they're losing more money they're losing more money they're losing more money which again benefits nobody it doesn't benefit the insurance carrier because they're not going to be making profit it doesn't benefit the consumer because if they're not making a profit they're not going to have money to pay a claim it doesn't benefit anybody so we have these regulations that prevent insurance carriers from doing things that they claim will allow them to properly rate and properly predict risk, right? So let me give you some of them. What happened finally, we were sitting in California at about 87% of the property insurance market where the carriers, 87% of the carriers were either not writing new policies at all, or they were heavily restricting them. And by heavily restricting them, I mean, something to the effect of, yeah, we'll take instead of, you know, we might have written 70, 80, 100 policies a month. Now we'll take two. Right. So that's in that group of 87 percent. It's unbelievable. And keep in mind, real estate is one of the backbones of uh, the California economy. And without insurance, there is no real estate. I made a quick list of, of industries that are affected by insurance. You've got everything from real estate, construction banking and finance, legal services, home improvement, renovation, property management, landscaping, architecture, retail businesses, um, risk assessment, fire and water damage, restoration services, roofing, remodeling, architects. I mean, you name it. There is not an industry that's not affected by insurance, right? So, The California Department of Insurance um, came up with a plan. Uh, It was spearheaded by the governor's office where they said, "Okay, whoa, we see what's happening. We need to make some changes. So let's come up with a plan that works for everybody. Let's find a way that the insurance carriers can properly underwrite. Right. Which basically means they can predict loss and have a vibrant, competitive environment, because right now, We have the epitome of the opposite. We have a handful of carriers writing a handful of policies. And what happens when you have competition? The price goes down. And if right now we don't have competition, what is that doing to the price? And what are we all seeing? It's going way up. So the Department of Insurance came out with what they're calling the insurance stability plan. And what that plan is, is it's it's broken down into a handful of components, but it's designed to bring competition back to California. And it's a give and take, right? It, it changes some of the regulations that are existing and it adds some new ones. And I'm going to give you some highlights so you can understand. 
first of all, what you're seeing right now is in California, because there are so few carriers that are writing policies, people are going to the California Fair Plan. The Fair Plan is an organization that was put together as an insurer of last resort. I think that's actually verbatim in their charter. And as the insurer of last resort, you go there if you can simply not obtain fire coverage anywhere else. Now, mind you, I said fire coverage. That's all they cover, fire coverage. There's no liability. There's no water damage. There's no theft. None of that exists. So this is literally just for fire. People are going there because they can't find a policy anywhere else. So part of this plan is to get people real insurance through the private marketplace. And so what this will do is it's going to make the insurance industry commit to writing uh, 85% of the properties that they write have to be in what are considered above average fire zones. Okay. So an area that previously they may not have wanted to write in, they ended the department of insurance is saying, no, no, you offer a policy there. All of you offer a policy there. All of you compete for insurance there, which is going to do what to the rate? Drive the rate down, right? If everybody's writing there. And in exchange for that, we're going to let you price it according to what you have found with all, I say the big brains, what you are finding is the appropriate price for that risk. Everybody wins. We're going to have an environment where every insurance company is going to be offering coverage in areas they never used to before. It's going to lower the price there overall. And guess what's going to happen to the areas that are not even close to being in fire, uh, high fire zones? Those prices are going to go down even more. Carriers will be competing. They're going to be going bat, you know what, crazy to get those risks because they want to get them while they can. They'd like to avoid the risks in the higher fire zone area. So they're going to compete like crazy everywhere else as well. So it's going to create a competitive environment where carriers that have stopped writing or have left California potentially will come back start writing policies again and create an environment where insurance companies are competing with each other for business, which will drive the price way, way, way down. And if you think it's not true, all you have to do is look at where we are right now. We have very few companies writing and premiums have never been higher. There you go. Not political, just math. Less companies means higher premium. So what would the opposite do logically? More companies, lower premium. So that's what we're doing. And that's what the Department of Insurance has mandated. They're currently working on guidelines that are going to enforce different restrictions on insurance carriers, forcing them to write in areas they might not have wanted to write in before. However, it's going to force competition there and it's going to force competition in other areas that they're in as well. And it looks like we've got a caller that's just come in. It's kind of like I hear I hear voices because in my earpiece, they announced that someone's on the phone. So if all of a sudden you see me looking up and around like, whoa, that would happen. It's because I'm listening to the to the radio station tell me that we've got a caller that's called in. Um, so let's put her on. Uh, welcome to Insurance Hour. Tell me, what, what can I answer for you today? Hi there. Um, I had a question, actually. My uh, husband and I were thinking about renting out uh, one of the rooms in our home as an Airbnb. Airbnb uh, room, and I wasn't sure if that was something that our insurance would cover, if the guest damaged something, and yeah, that was my question. It's a great question, and you know, what's interesting, I was just reading an article, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal the other day, that there was, the bubble has burst when it comes to uh, Airbnbs, that, that you know, people were buying properties all over the place thinking they were going to make a fortune just, you know, renting them out with Airbnb. And I forgot what the other one's called. There's Airbnb and um, what's the other one called? Mm-mm-mm. I forgot what the other one is now, too. I know, but I know what you're talking about. There's a couple of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. let's talk about the insurance aspect first. Uh, first of all, you need this. Let's look at what a homeowner's policy is, right? Part of it is covering the risk of fire. Part of it's covering the risk of liability. Let's just take those two factors. Now, do you think that it's the same exposure, the same potential for risk, if it's just you and your husband living in the house, or if you have someone renting out a room, it's, it's objectively um, different, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's obviously, it's yeah, different. Someone that's like a guest of mine that we know, you know, well, you would hope would take a little more care 
<laughs> you know, when they're in our right. house, but you know, accidents right, will happen, right. of course. Someone you know is different than someone that's paying for one or two nights or three nights or whatever it might be. So we can objectively mm-hmm. see that it's a different exposure. So what the insurance carriers are doing is first to answer the first obvious question, you must tell them, okay? If you don't tell Mm -hmm. them, then you could be in a position of not having coverage if there's a claim. And you remember what I said earlier, never give an insurance company a good excuse to deny a claim. Well, that's a good one, right? You've changed Mm -hmm. the entire risk profile by renting out part of the house. So you need to let the insurance company know. And most of them have what's called an endorsement, which is just a fancy word for a change to your policy. They have an endorsement that for a small additional premium, and really it is small, uh, they will add coverage and allow you to rent out that room or that a second or the garage, second house, whatever it might be that you're renting out. So mm-hmm. the answer is yes, yes. Um, you do need to let them know and they will provide coverage. Now, there are some companies that are just vehemently against it. They've just had really bad loss experience with regard to um, people renting uh, and doing Airbnb. But uh, again, we're talking specifically about a house you live in also, right? Don't forget, if we're talking mm-hmm. about a house somewhere else that you buy and you just plan to make that an Airbnb, that's an entirely different ballgame. And that would require an entirely different policy to begin with. But in your situation, you're talking about having somebody in your house that's renting specifically in your, in your area, uh, in, your, in your domain, then you need to let the carrier know, let them make that, put that endorsement on the policy and then uh, you should be okay. And that's actually very good to know. Um, what about if we just decide to travel for a couple of weeks or months at a time and want to, you know, it's not a separate full residence that we bought for the purpose of renting out, but we're going to be gone for an extended period of time, like two or three months, um, and we just, you know, wanted to rent it out through an Airbnb or some other company. Is, is that the same, or would that be a different yeah well again you come back to the same question so you know you're gonna go you know uh, you're gonna go move to italy for three months right or or whatever it might be and instead of leaving the house empty and i've had this conversation with a client they're like well we thought it would be better we've got people there instead of it being vacant right yes this is true Mm -hmm. but again back to our first point is it the same as you living there having strangers living there and having different people coming and going and coming and going no again objectively that's a different exposure altogether. So if you're going to be mm. doing something like that, again, just reach out to your carrier and ask them because what could be made so simple, right? Which is either by adding an endorsement or by changing the policy type if you're gone long enough. And again, it's carrier specific. Some of them will just say no, and then you'll have to look elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Some might make a change to your policy and some might say we have to write a different policy while you're gone. But the main thing to do is okay. act is, is recognize that well, it's different, right? I mean, I've, I've changed what I originally signed up for, right? When I bought a policy, I said, my husband and I live here. That's the exposure. And now you're going to be changing that to where the two owners of the house are no longer living there. Not only that, there will be different multiple strangers coming and going, totally different exposure. So you would want to make sure that you take the time to reach out to your carrier or broker, let them know what it is you're planning on doing and find out. Because again, it's there's no hard and firm answer because every carrier handles it differently. But the one thing I can tell you for sure is that if it's a material change in the exposure, and we all agree it is, right? Then mm-hmm. you yeah. need to let your carrier know because you're in jeopardy of not having coverage in the event of a loss if you don't. Okay. Okay. I will hang up with you and call them. <laughs> and I have, But I want to ask you because I'm curious of something you said initially. You said you're looking to rent out, uh, was it a room in your house initially while you're there? The room while we're here, yeah, like our, our it looks like our son is going to be uh, staying away at school a little bit longer than we expected, and we figured we might as well get some additional income. <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, so we're, we're still going to be yeah. around. There's like a separate entrance and, you know. Right. Yeah, I've always wondered about that because I, it, to me, it feels sort of, you know, like, oh, my privacy, I'm going to have a strange, a different strange person come in my house every day or, or not. But I suppose if there's a separate entrance, it is just me personally, I'm curious, not an insurance issue, well, you know, of, of what, would, what it would be like to be in a position where you have people sort of coming and going. But again, if in your mind, it seems like you have changed something, best, you know, best thing to do is just talk to your broker, talk to the carrier, let them know, let them decide and document it. 
Okay. Okay. All right. Sounds All right. good. Thank you very much. All right. You got cool. it. Thanks for calling. Right. Uh, bye-bye. Can somebody tell me? I'm going crazy. It's Airbnb and what's the other one? Come on, Jesse. You can tell me. You whisper everything else in my ear. What's it called? What's the other short-term rental company? You don't know either. The voice in the sky doesn't know either. And, I, and I, I, I'm unfairly um, uh, accidentally marketing for Airbnb. Oh, well. Uh, it'll come to me the second the show is over. Uh, and speaking of the show being over, we are going to be done. And uh, I, I want to be sure everyone takes something important away from this because it seems to be an interesting theme that we that we hit. Insurance carriers are there to provide coverage in the event of a loss. In order to do that, they need to know what they're insuring so they can charge the right premium so you can have coverage for that loss. We had someone calling and talking about what if I don't tell them I have a, a young driver? Well, then they're not charging the right premium. It kind of breaks the, the agreement, right? I mean, part of this and insurance policies are designed to be used. I think the legal term, not an attorney, is um, in the utmost best faith, uh, is that you need to give accurate information to be sure that you get the right that you get coverage and then you have that coverage in the event of a claim. If you don't, what are you going to do? So we had someone that wanted to do that. And then we have, and then we had somebody else that was in essence, just talking about what to do if somebody else comes in the house to tell their carrier or not to tell their carrier. All right. So just remember, keep the carrier informed and all should be good. All right. Until next time. Bye-bye. Believe it or not, that is all the time we have for now. If you missed the live broadcast, please remember you can watch this show and previous shows on YouTube or subscribe to the podcast. You'll find Insurance Hour on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, and even on Amazon Alexa. If you have questions you would like answered, please email questions at insurancehour.com or call 559-656-0317. Educating and entertaining Californians one insurance policy at a time. This is Insurance Hour. The show is dedicated to Shamrock Papa.